My name is Greg Meeklejohn, co-founder of Enrollment Resources. Uh, we focus on helping schools increase revenue by improving their best practices in enrollment management. And today on the call, we, um, we're, um, we have uh, subject experts on TV, which is really cool. And we, there's so much focus on Internet these days. Television is sort of seen as a bit of a lost art, yet it could be the most effective way to create revenue enrollment revenue for a school. So, Michael and Tammy, uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, Michael, why don't you go first? I'm Michael Cooney. I actually have several roles in the career college field. I've been at this for 34 years. I'm the editor of the Career Education Review, which is an independent trade publication for career colleges. And that's relevant today because that means I track all the trends and developments and news in the career college sector on a daily, weekly basis and publish summaries and Get to, get to talk to almost anybody I want to on any of the areas of concern for career colleges. Uh, my other hat is as a writer, producer, director of TV commercials. We've been offering both syndicated and custom-produced commercials for 30-plus years as well. And we partner with Tammy on many of our accounts, and thus we, we really fine-tune the whole art of direct response career college advertising to what works rather than what's in vogue or what makes clients feel good sometimes. So good. Well, well, well welcome to the call. This is uh, We have a guru on the call, folks, so this is great. So, um, Tammy, why don't you introduce guru, yourself? Guru, I don't know. Practitioner, yes. <laughs> Tammy. My name is Tammy Quadrini. I am president and CEO of Griffin Marketing Group. Our agency is a full-service direct response agency, and we focus primarily on the school education sector, educational marketing. That is our expertise. Direct response is certainly a niche of advertising in general. And then we look at it as well that school advertising is actually an extra niche or subset of direct response marketing um, because there's certainly a lot of different nuances to it. Uh, our, our expertise is, again, we're a full-service advertising agency, but our expertise really uh, concentrates on the electronic planning uh, of advertising, your TV, your radio, your cable, and then we're able to utilize various partners, like one of which is Michael Cooney for the creative and production and so on and so forth, so that we can fine-tune the uh, whole picture. I personally have been doing this for schools uh, the media portion of it and perfecting the buys and the analysis for 22 years plus. Uh, and certainly we believe that uh, we have uh, the science down in order to perfect lead volume and efficiency. Oh, my gosh. We have another guru on the call, folks. We are, And I'll call myself a guru. Oh, I am. I can call <laughs> you guys whatever I want because I'm facilitating today. So a couple of okay. cool gurus. Uh, we have on the call here on TV. And so, folks, what we're going to do today is we're going to go through a little kind of a Q&A. And, uh, and rather than us just talking our full heads off for a, a half an hour, what I thought we would do is kind of do a bit of an interactive exchange. So I'm going to toss out a question regarding TV and marketing, and then I'm going to present some potential answers. And we're going to reflect on that and and you'll see how it works. It's kind of, think of it like kind of a real cheesy game show. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> so the question, the question I have to put out to the group first here is, what's cheaper right now on a cost per sale basis, 
cost per enrollment basis, an Internet lead via a portal or a dedicated television ad. Okay? So an Internet lead via a portal or a dedicated TV ad. So the answers are Internet, of course, or TV, or it's about the same. Now, if anybody wants to go and chime in, you just press star six if you want to guess. Anybody care to guess? I would... I would think it Craig, was. maybe you could clarify when you're talking about internet lead via a portal. Are you speaking of uh, organic internet leads that are going directly to these school sites? No, I'm speaking about portals or directories. Schools put by a large percentage of internet leads via in, uh, directories and portals, and the organic that come to their website that is a different kind of a right a, a lead altogether. But there's such a huge volume of um, people's media buy is spent on Internet portals these days. It seems to be the biggest um, dollar figure. So um, if anybody wants to chime in, just press star six. But I would think on the surface, you know, you can get an Internet lead for 30 40 50 bucks a lead. Um, you would think that on a cost per enrollment, basis, that would be the case. It would be far and away be the cheapest. Uh, Michael, am I right, or what would you say? I would say it's whatever the school top management believes to be true. Oh, interesting. It's almost a metaphysical rule that whatever management believes to be true, whether they directly or indirectly cause to happen within the school by virtue of their training, by virtue of their tracking, by virtue of just a whole lot of cultural items that they set forth there. Now, yes, there is a quantitative measure, and they may be comparable from organization to organization. But I find currently that there are school groups who have abandoned television because they don't believe it works, and yet I know them well enough to know that they didn't do television the way I would have suggested they do it to make it work. But they had this belief, and it became a reality for them. Uh, Other people believe it works, and by God, it works. Okay, uh, so uh, Tammy, what are your thoughts? I, I would echo echo that point only in the sense that that's actually the exact experience that I get from our current clients. Uh, there's no consistent answer. I have clients that tell me these Internet leads are closing one to four of TV, and then conversely, I have clients that are telling me that TV is closing one to four of Internet. So, you know, one of the recommendations that, that – that I make is that when schools get this plethora of lead volume that quite frankly it's in the school's best interest not to let the admissions or uh, uh, operator individuals know where this lead is really coming from because there's a preconceived mindset of whether this is a really good lead or not. Well, that's Um, a different question, but um, that's an interesting notion we can maybe touch on. the uh, well, here's my take. We, we in, internet portal leads are, are seem to be converting in around two percent, one to three percent, um, with medium best practice on conversion lead nurturing and TV eight to ten percent. We've seen TV campaigns convert as high as fifteen percent when they're well written, and um, in terms of direct response copy. So if you take a forty dollar lead and it is um, five times as expensive to convert it, you go $40 times five, it's $200 per sale or per enrollment. And 
conversely, you know, you can pay um, a similar amount of money for a TV lead if you buy correctly. So I would say that as of today, on a cost per enrollment basis, Internet lead ads and TV ads are largely in the same ballpark um, price-wise. And I would argue that, in fact, within the next year, that TV ads will be cheaper than Internet portal ads. And I'll tell you why. Because the one feature that people forget in marketing around Internet leads is they are only as strong as the work being done by the admissions people to hunt them down. So TV leads are inbound leads, and inbound leads generally um, convert about five times as high as outbound leads where people have to chase down those leads. So it's a different dynamic. And hunting down those leads, um, if you don't get to an internet lead within a minute, uh, your, your conversion rates just plummet. Internet leads have the life of a fruit fly. Now, the reason I bring this up is because with the new incentivization rules on the admissions side, there are going to be all, all, the incentive, all the incentives for an admissions rep working um, are going to be stripped out. And so admissions people are generally going to be like service bureau people when you phone in for your your Shaw internet, your internet service, or to get your computer fixed or what have you, your mobile phone fixed. So the, the, the one thing that internet marketing people forget is that making those outbound calls, are, it's a soul-sucking, morale-crunching exercise that generally is usually done by admissions people because there's a financial incentive on the other side to do it. It's just nasty work. And I think that there's going to be a real recoil once these incentivized rules come in place for admissions compensation. So just hold that thought, folks, and then we can get into that at a later date. I want to move on to another question here. Okay? This is an interesting question to me. What's the best way to use TV in growing your school? The first answer is top of mind awareness or branding, kind of like what Coke and Campbell's Soup commercials do and Swiffer commercials and stuff. Or as a hardcore direct response advertising tool. Now, examples of that would be Ab, Buster, Sham, Wow. Anything, uh, McDonald's when they're marketing a specific hamburger on sale, that kind of a thing. So we, what do you think, Michael? Top of mind awareness in TV or hardcore direct response? How do you use TV? I would go in between the two. First of all, the top of the mind awareness brand, people always like that because it's unaccountable. We get to be pretty creative. And the peer group of the school owner gives them that boys for it. Uh, it doesn't produce leads, however. But I think we're in a world right now with the scrutiny and the negative press that the career college sector is receiving that using the straight-out, hardcore, direct response as it's been executed by many schools is negative because it makes it sound like we are a 1995 call-now operation. Mm. So I'm going to tell you the clever, cute, and being overtly creative is out and being credible, compliant, at the same and believable and engage in a real conversation with our prospect, and, but not abandoning the direct response rules. 
still asking for the phone call and giving them a rational, logical reason to do that. What an interesting uh, I thought. Okay. We have to advertise like we're educators more than ever before. Right. I'm um, being presidential in the tone and the timber of the ad. No, okay. that's presidential. That sounds that, that immediately sounded elitist. It sounds like we have to make them know that we know their pain, that we have a solution for it, yep. and that we really care about them in the process. Okay. You know, we have to disarm the negative press in the process in as how much we can do that in 30 seconds. Um, Tammy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll take Michael's point actually just a little bit further as opposed to just a combination of the two. Uh, if you have the budget to support it, most definitely I think there's benefits to having both a brand awareness campaign as well as direct response. However, that said, uh, in my opinion, the most important component of this strategy is that you don't use the awareness branding campaign to generate leads, and you don't use the lead generation campaign to support brand awareness. They are two totally separate uh, perspectives, objectives. They can kind of assist each other, but anybody that wants to approach that strategy with branding on top of the direct response for the, the lead generation, in my opinion, you need two entirely separate budgets to evaluate accordingly so that you're, you're doing each objective correctly. It's a different way of buying. It's a different way of negotiating. It's a different way of evaluating. And the mistakes that a lot of clients make is that they kind of want to kill two birds with one stone. They want to uh -huh. take their direct response budget. Let's cut yeah. 5% out of it and I, make it brand new. I would, I would take it a step further. And um, I'm just, as you're, you guys are speaking, I'm thinking of that really uh, excellent book by marketing guru Al Reese called The Fall of Advertising and the Rise of PR. And his big idea in that book is that you use advertising to sell and you use public relations and community, community relations to build your brand. So he's taking, Tammy, you're saying split and have two separate campaigns. He's saying, don't even bother. He said, just use advertising as a way to sell and, um, and PR and community relations as your methodology to um, build your brand. So he's saying, take some of your, your media buy and peel that off and, and give it to a PR company. So, okay, good. Those are, those are interesting points of view. I, I just learned something there myself. That was good. And I'm a guru. Well, and I just want, Greg, one point to that. I, I, I don't say keep it separate to the extent that neither one has anything to do with the other. Mm. I say keep it separate from a budgeting perspective such, uh, okay. that, such that the brand-building campaign definitely and indirectly supports the direct response campaign and right. vice versa. That's, that, that's the point, really, from a budgeting standpoint. But certainly, uh, together, they play off each other in order to make the overall volume and efficiency come in. Got it. Okay. Let me just finally add, Greg, that have, looking at some of our brethren's commercials, they're embarrassing. They don't reflect well on that them or anybody else and say, are they really that low end of school and are they that simplistic or or just plain insulting sometimes? They need So I think we we have a problem that we, we shoot ourselves in the foot in terms of brand making brand building by some of our direct response ads. Uh, they need workforce communications to do their production work. 
That's what they need. They need that blend of of direct response business and marketing grace. Hey, Mike? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, next question. By the time someone is 21 years old, they've hit their 21st birthday, this is for the the group listening in here. How many TV commercials has she seen? So by the time someone hits 21 years, how many TV commercials has she seen? Here are your answers, folks. 20,000 commercials, TV commercials, 60,000, oh my God, 100,000 TV commercials, 140,000 TV commercials, or 180,000 TV commercials. By the time someone's 21, is there a brave soul out in that audience that wants to press star six and attempt an answer? I'll give you four seconds. One. Come on, somebody out there. No? Okay. I will share the answer. The answer is 180,000 commercials. People, um, by the time they hit 21, have experienced 180,000 commercials. And that does not include the exposure that uh, people receive on the Internet. That's just BBM-tracked images. And it's gotten so bad that the people in Madison Avenue, the production people like Michael, I don't know if Michael uses this tactic or not, but they use, well, Michael wouldn't because they use this tactic with kids and cartoons and with um, 18 to 24-year-old men with selling beer and here's what they do is uh, they will change the visual image of the TV ad every three seconds so next time you're with your kids on the couch watching um, cartoons with them and an ad comes up every time the image changes snap your fingers and you'll see it'll change about oh 10, 12 times Um, and the reason they do that is it forces the child to physiologically snap her head back and watch TV even though the ad is not interesting because a new visual image forces you to refocus. So it's very insidious and nasty and that's how bad it's gotten in terms of just the, the deluge of communication. Consumers have become cynical, overcommunicated, and um, and they're fed up. Okay. Very the, interesting. The next question. So, should you focus on cost per lead or conversation? Cost per lead or cost per conversation? So I'm going to feel this one for Tammy. Tammy, what's your opinion? Should you, when you're running a TV campaign, should you focus measure this on a cost per lead basis? Somebody picking up the phone or the cost per conversation where somebody actually gets through to an admissions rep? Uh, are you taking it to the point of appointment or they're just, Getting through to the admissions rep. Just getting through to the admissions rep on the phone, which is where the juice starts in the admissions process. I am a very firm proponent of the more data and the more information, the better, Mm -hmm. uh, because I like to look at both uh, whenever possible. Uh, I'm very much a cost-per-lead-driven type of person, Mm -hmm. but that said, I don't think it needs to be the end-all, be-all Uh, for a variety of reasons, the most important of which, uh, contrary to to 10, 15 years ago, uh, when you get a lead in, that lead is not just a lead for you anymore or even just a handful of schools. That lead is a lead for 10, 15, or or, uh, who knows how many of your competitors. Okay. Right, yeah. So I guess in that regard... It's more diluted, if you will. 
I have a question um, for Michael along those lines, then, Tammy. And the question for Mike is this: Mike, is an internet lead conversely, is an internet lead a lead or a pre-lead, like interested traffic? What would you say? I, I want to go back a step. As, as a as a direct response, creative direct uh, person, I can make the phone ring or I can help the person get to the school's website or do a Google search for career college. But after that, I lose control. How the phone gets answered or if it gets answered is not a, uh, is beyond my scope. It's really on the school's function as to how they have decided to handle all of that. So that's really, I think, it's not the answer to the question you asked me, but it's the the comment I feel obligated to make here because there's so many factors now go into this, and this is a conversation Tammy and I have on a daily basis with our respective mutual clients, is what happens after the phone rings? How is it counted? Who's accountable for it? Where did it go? How does it track? Huge amounts of internal controls and decisions are made there that we can only hope to influence but are beyond our ability to to direct with our creative or our media bias. Well, okay, and so Michael, you have my, if, if I could say one thing, Greg, you, hmm. Michael, you hit my point exactly in that that's why I like to look at both because if you've got uh, X amount of attrition that's expected between lead and actual conversation, that's one thing. On the other hand, if the disparity between lead and conversation is huge, you know you've got to look into it a little bit further and you may have an operator problem, telemarketing problem, or admissions conversation problem, and it's on the school end, not necessarily the media lead driving end. Okay, Michael, I have a question for you. What are the most three most important creative elements needed to create a successful TV spot? The model I commonly have used forever in one shape or form is a problem solution opportunity call to action. And we we did a test at the beginning of the recession. My clients and I had a bet whether doom and gloom, which was my, my commercial, or smiley faces, which was his commercial, would work better. We Essentially, they were parallel developments. What were different is how we started off with, you know, mine was doom and gloom, the depression got, recession got you down, or you lost your job, etc. You know, all and sad faces, and, you know, Life sucks in black and white at that point before we got the color and the solution at the school. Where his version was much happier, we have, a, we have a better solution for your life, and you know, we're smiley and come here. Well, fortunately, Tammy tracked it for us, and I won. Not by a huge percentage, yeah, uh-huh. but over, over the long run, we found because we, we identified clearly with what the person was feeling and showed them that people that looked like them felt like them could then do the transition via the, the clear steps, and then we would always tend to validate that with an on-camera person saying, you know, to some extent, if I can do it, you can do it, you know, or some some variation on that, or you know, like. So, so really, Michael, what you're talking about is um, loading in a lot of empathy. Yeah, I, I want to, I want the viewer to know that I am speaking to them because I understand where they're at in their pain. Very you know, good. I'm not shouting at them. I, I'm engaging the conversation, and and there's something immediately because I have to capture them in the first ten seconds at least, or I've lost them. So yes. there has to be something there that says yes, that's like me, 
and then I can hold them for the 30 or 60 seconds to tell them my story, how, how people like you can change. Okay, so along those lines, I'm going to add in a little bit more to this little question. I'm going to share some copywriting formulas with the folks um, on, the, uh, on the call here. So folks, I want you to write this down. Get a pen and a paper, write this down. So that here's some copywriting tips that will help you improve conversion rates on your TV ads, internet ads, sales letters, website, what have you. So, okay, there, let's start. The first thing you want to do is you want to write your copy like you're just yakking with somebody in a cafe. So a little trick that we use is you go and you find a friend or a person and you start talking about your school, your offering, your program, over a cup of coffee and you, and you tape it, okay? And then you get that transcribed. And what you'll find is that there are big chunks of fantastic ad copy, copy points that you can edit into a really cool ad. So there's a little tip for you. Is if you can't afford a, a fancy copywriter, uh, you just go and you, you go take someone for coffee and you talk about what you're doing. and It, it works really, really well. Second thing is you want to start really narrow, like what Mike alluded to there, where you, you seize on that pain point that p- people are experiencing, the recession or tired of living in your dad's basement or whatever it may be. Then you go wide and then you go narrow again. So you, you build out a backstory, uh, and then you, you bring it in narrow to their specific needs and their call to action. And so there's a communication formula that we use, and you want to write this down. It's five steps. First, you want to provoke, which is what Michael alluded to. Then you want to agitate. Then you want to solve, solve their problem. Then you need to prove, because people know all advertisers all, all ads are liars. All advertising is lies. So you need to actually prove that it's not a lie so that your ad stands out. And then you close with a specific call to action. That's it. Provoke, agitate, solve, prove, and close. Okay? Now, here's the thing. We have some issues now that are developing where, as of July 1st, um, and we're happy to stay behind and, and, and answer any questions that you may have about this. There are um, now new rules about copywriting. There are 30 things that the Department of Education have indicated that you can no longer say or write about or have available in your advertising or else you're in big, big trouble. And so we're at the end of our call, and uh, what I would like to do is offer to you on the call this free report. Okay, so we have a free report on new misrepresentation rules for uh, as of July 1st. And all you have to do to access this free report is to contact Paul Bertarelli in our office, and he'll make arrangements. So I'd like you to write this down. The number is 250-391-9494. That's 250-391-9494. Or you can text... You can text in and make a request via text, and the text number is 250-888-7111, 250-888-7111. And we'll arrange to get you this white paper on the 30 things you can no longer say in admissions or write in an advertisement as of July 1st. I think you'll find that useful as a guiding constraint in your copywriting going forward. So, folks... 
we're at the end of our call. We want to respect the time frame that we've put out there for those attending. Um, what we'll do is we will uh, uh, stay behind, uh, Tammy and Michael and myself, and if anybody has any questions informally you just want to ask, feel free to hang out. And Otherwise, thanks for attending our conference call, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks.